Our psalms this morning are Psalm 5, excuse me, 126 on page 505 and Psalm 128 on page 506. Morning prayer starts on page 3. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. O Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 for the Venite on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad on him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hands are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, it is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 126, page 505. When the, Lord, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, then were we like unto them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with joy. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. Yea, the Lord hath done great things for us already, whereof we rejoice. Turn our captivity, O Lord, as the rivers in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that now goeth on his way weeping, and beareth forth good seed, shall doubtless come again with joy, and bring his sheaves with him. Psalm 128 Blessed are all they that fear the Lord, and walk in his ways. For they shall eat the labors of thine hands. O well is thee, and happy shalt thou be. Thy wife shall be as the fruitful vine upon the walls of thine house. Thy children like olive branches, round about thy table. Lo, thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord from out of Zion shall so bless thee, that thou shalt see Jerusalem in prosperity all thy life long. Yea, that thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the sixth chapter of the first book of Kings. 
And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come up out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Zib, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width 20, and its height 30 cubits. The vestibule in the front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long around along the width of the house, and the width of the vestibule extended 10 cubits from the front of the house. And he made for the house windows with beveled frames. Against the wall of the temple he built chambers all around, against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. Thus he made side chambers all around it. The lowest chamber was five cubits wide, the middle was six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide, for he made narrow ledges all around the outside of the temple, so that the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. The doorway for the middle story was on the right side of the temple. They went up by stairs to the middle story and from the middle to the third. So he built the temple and finished it, and he paneled the temple with beams and boards of cedar. And he built side chambers against the entire temple, each five cubits high. They were attached to the temple with cedar beams. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and finished it. And he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards. From the floor of the temple to the ceiling, he paneled the inside with wood. And he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. Then he built the 20-cubit room at the rear of the temple, from floor to ceiling, with cedar boards. He built it inside as the inner sanctuary, as the most high place. And in front of the temple sanctuary was 40 cubits long. The inside of the temple was cedar, carved with ornamental buds and open flowers. All was cedar. There was no stone to be seen. And as he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple to set the ark of the covenant of the Lord there, the inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high. He overlaid it with pure gold and overlaid the altar of cedar. So Solomon overlaid the inside of the temple with pure gold. He stretched gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. The whole temple he overlaid it with gold until he'd finished all the temple. Also he overlaid with gold the entire altar that was by the inner sanctuary. Inside the inner sanctuary made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. One wing of the cherubim was five cubits and the other wing of the cherubim five cubits. 10 cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. And the other cherub was 10 cubits, both cherubim were the same size and shape. The height of one cherubim was 10 cubits and so was the other cherub. Then he set the cherubim inside the inner room and they stretched out the wings of the cherubim so that the wing of one touched one wall and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall. And their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. Also, he overlaid the cherubim with gold. 
Then he carved all the walls of the temple all around, both the inner and the outer sanctuaries, with carved figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. And the floor of the temple he overlaid with gold, both the inner and outer sanctuaries. For the entrance of the inner sanctuary he made doors of olive wood. The lintel and doorposts were one-fifth of the wall. The two doors were of olive wood, and he carved on them figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, and overlaid them with gold. And he spread gold on the cherubim and on the palm trees. So for the door of the sanctuary he also made doorposts of olive wood, one-fourth of the wall, and the two doors were of cypress wood. Two panels comprised one folding door, and two panels comprised the other folding door. Then he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers on them, and overlaid them with gold applied evenly on the carved work. And he built the inner court with three row of hewn stones and a row of cedar beams. The fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. And in the eleventh year, in the month of Bul, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its details and according to all its plans. So he was seven years in building it. Here ended the first lesson. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the third chapter of First Thessalonians. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we are comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in, in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy that with, with that, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith, 
Now may our God, the Father himself, and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Here endeth the second lesson. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham, that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on, from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord, we beseech thee, let thy continual pity cleanse and defend thy church, and because it cannot continue in safety without thy succor, preserve it evermore by thy help and goodness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, Defend us, thy humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, 
Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Morning to all. In our chapter here on the building of the temple, a few things are, are notable. Well, a lot of things are notable, but three I'll point out. Um, first of all, the, the chapter uh, really emphasizes the elaborate work of the temple, the craftsmanship, the labor that's going into it, and the interjection of God in the middle of it, where he appeared to Solomon and says, you know, if you walk in my statutes, and and then it'll go well is almost a rejoinder like this is all great that you're building a really nice temple but the outward structure of the temple cannot be a cover for the fact that you're not actually following the torah and so that's always a um an issue in the life of faith of of, of getting caught up with the beauty of a building or a look how wonderful that is and and the fact is that at you know what God is really concerned with is whether we have faith in him, or whether that faith is is uh, translated into obedience and, and, and love and actual life. Um, we also see the, the cherubim mentioned here, and um, these are um, these are significant for the presence of God. There's a sort of line that appears in the Psalms in a couple places that got, you know, God who dwells between the cherubim. And um, these are wrongly in our language sometimes the word cherubic uh becomes sort of fluffy cute these are really fierce looking scary um angelic beings we get it we get a picture of them a little bit in ezekiel when god leaves the temple before it's destroyed by the babylonians which is a an event that's about you know uh, 400 plus years after what we're reading today and then we also get it in revelation um the living creatures of Revelation are, in fact, the cherubim. So these are what this is, is this the, the image of the cherubim. They're always around where God dwells. And so God's going to dwell in the Holy of Holies. So we have have the cherubim there. And we should be aware that the structure of the temple, it's a relatively small building. We shouldn't think of the temple as like a church where all Israel goes to church. Uh, this is the place where God lives among his people. and most of the ministry of, of worship and sacrifice will be carried out um, by the priests on behalf of the people, and they'll offer sacrifice, and then there's certain ways only they can go in the Holy of Holies at certain times. And this kind of sets the Old Testament uh, table for our Lord, who with his sacrifice, we are told in Hebrews, enters into the Holy of Holies in heaven because the idea of this earthly temple is that it's a copy and type of the true temple in heaven. That was the idea really common in the ancient world for religion that, that the earthly visible temple is a copy of the, of the true temple in heaven. And so that worshipers by entering into the copy entered into the reality of, of the thing itself. And so the priests did this on behalf of the people, but Eucharistic worship fulfills this, and this is why in the New Testament we're called a royal priesthood, because in Christ we can all enter into the Holy of Holies and, 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 and 
in the very presence of God, the veil and, and the distance and and the mediation has been has been the veil's been taken away and the mediation is provided by Jesus. So that's the new standard of of worship. Um, in Thessalonians, it's an inter interesting uh, chapter. Again, we remember that the, the um, setting that St. Paul was anxious about the Thessalonians because they had his ministry in Acts 17 is shown to have wrought conversions and an infant church and he was chased out of town. So he's nervous about how they're doing because he hasn't had a chance to stay with them and train them and form them. And the language here is one of testing. He tells that, you know, we're, we're, we're ordained to tribulations. And he says, I was afraid lest the tempter had tempted you. And this frames the Christian life in terms of the life of our Lord, that the challenge is to be faithful through trial and temptation and, and so become approved by God at the end. And so the Thessalonians are living in this Christian narrative, which is we are as well, where the main goal is we understand we're going to face trials and temptations in life, and we're being tested to see if we are truly the children of God that he has made us to be, just as Jesus was proven in the wilderness to be the true child of God. And we note again in Thessalonians, as, as we will note if we pay close attention to the New Testament, that the end point of the Christian life, again, is the coming of our Lord. That the goal is that, that they'll stand fast in the faith, that their faith will be manifested in love, and, and, and that they will be found blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We endure through temptation because we're not trying to please people in the world. We're trying to find that we're trying to uh, hold on to that blameless verdict that will be revealed on, on the day when our Lord appears. And it's an interesting juxtaposition or comparison between Solomon's glorious architectural Old Testament temple and then the Thessalonians who are uh, like the localized version of the body of Christ, the New Testament temple, and they're suffering. They don't look very impressive. But, but God is pleased with them because they're faithful. And so that's always to remember that God, not to be caught up in the appearance of things, but to remember the focus is really on ordinary faithfulness that, that tries to maintain the blamelessness in Christ that will be revealed on the day when our Lord appears. So a few thoughts about today's lessons. Continuing with the prayer for all conditions of men on page 18. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldest be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, 
giving them patience under their sufferings, and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you to um, Joel and Ed for their assistance. Great lesson, Bishop. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Bob. Thank you, Bishop Scarlett. Have a good day, everybody. Bye, kiddos.